This Lent in traditional and modern worship, our pastoral team is preaching the series, God Moves Us. Jesus didn't stay in one place for long. His earthly ministry was one of moving from one place and encounter to the next. He also moved through every part of the human experience, encountering everything from temptation to joy to suffering and even death. As we encounter the life and ministry of Jesus, we cannot stay the same. We ourselves are moved to grow and change as followers and imitators of the gospel. The comforting truth of Lent is that we delve deeper into our own self-examination. We find that we are not alone. God is still on the move in our lives, walking with us every step as we travel the road to Easter. Now I'd like to invite you to hear today's scripture reading. It's from the seventh chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke. Listen for God's word to speak to you through these words. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were among at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A little girl came in from playing, and as is often the case, her mother said, well, what have you been doing? The little girl said, well, I've been helping Jenny. The wheel came off her tricycle, and I've been helping her with it. And her mother said, well, honey, you don't know how to fix a tricycle. How did you help Jenny? She said, oh, mom, I helped her cry about it. <laughs> kind of an odd question. When was the last time you cried? A few hours ago? 
few days ago, a few weeks ago, months? Has it been years? Are you one when you cry that you can be sort of cool and elegant about it? Or when you cry, are you sort of slubbery, blubbery? Um, don't get me started. I'm slubbery, blubbery. We give mixed messages about crying. Big boys and big girls don't cry. And yet there are times when we say, well, you know, I just needed a good cry, and I felt better. Or we say to someone who's struggling, you know, maybe a good cry would be good right now. We're sort of embarrassed if people catch us crying, I guess. But when you think about it, what is more an expression of our shared humanity than tears coming? What reminds us that of all the ways we find to be different, uh, we see some kind of connection. Even when we see someone you don't like or your enemy, when they have tears, you may still disagree with them, but there's kind of a bond that's created there. There is a kind of way that our, our tears can bring us closer uh, to each other. Uh, to the persons God means for us to be, to be closer to God. Frederick Buechner is a writer, uh, theologian, who many of us have found helpful across the years. And among his writings, he, he wrote something to this effect. If you want to know where God is dealing with your life, Recall what brought tears to your eyes in the last year. Buechner goes on to say, We cry about the things that are closest to our hearts. And it, as it is at the point of our hearts where God is most real and leads us. People we love make us cry when they hurt or when we hurt them. Sometimes uh, we are hurt by people we love. And something about those tears remind us how much we do love each other and how critical and important it is for us to be able to go on and to forgive each other when hurts happen. Tears of grief when we lose someone we love are not a sign of a lack of faith, but a presence of deep love in the way that God and Jesus called us to love each other deeply. And some of us remember being in Sunday school as children, and I, I know the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, Jesus cried. And you recall that's the occasion uh, when he heard his good friend Lazarus had died. And even the, <laughs> it's a good ending uh, at the moment. Uh, Jesus cried. His, his tears were expressions of his love. Tears of regret, of tears of what scare us. That kind of tears can open us to God's help and God's comfort when we tr sometimes try to do it on our own, and, and that just never works. Uh, I was thinking about the, the root of the word comfort. 
Uh, comfort's not some namby pamby thing. The, the, mess, the meaning of the word comfort comes from Latin cum forte, which means with strength. Oh, the comfort of God gives us strength and gives us courage to, to go on uh, when otherwise we're in ungo-onable situations. Tears of anger and exasperation can come when we are just angry, when we see a world where children are hungry, or we see a world where people are mistreated. And somehow that's a kind of uh, upsetness, a kind of tears that can ignite us into action to somehow uh, do things to make the world just a bit better, more in the way uh, that God and Jesus called us to make the world better. And so we can just kind of go on and on, but we don't want to to miss uh, tears of gladness. Uh, tears of joy, tears of love. Uh, sometimes we just uh, get so full of laughing about something, the tears come down our, our cheeks. Or there's times when we're just so grateful to be reunited with someone, just to get up and know, I've got another day. I wasn't sure for a while, but I've got another. And, and the tears come. And so whether your tears are of sadness or madness or or gladness tears are something fundamental about the way that God has made us so that we can live life in its fullness and its depth as well as its height as we follow the tracks of our tears somehow there comes the 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 cruciform crisscross of our hearts with God's love Luke tells about the day a woman washed Jesus' feet uh, with her her tears and then uh, dries them with her hair. Jesus is invited to the home of Simon the Pharisee. Now, sometimes we make the Pharisees the bad guys, but Pharisees are really people who, who try to live life well. Sometimes they got a little bit overzealous about it, but apparently Jesus had friends among the Pharisees. And he was invited uh, to eat there. And that's a very intimate thing in, in that part of the world. Now understand, in that day and time, people did not sit on chairs and slide their legs up under a table. Uh, tables were low-rising, and the diners would recline, propped up on their left elbow on a pillow. Anybody ever done a, a side plank? I don't like to do them, but... I've done them. I do them. And from that side plank position, they would reach over with their right hand and eat. So understand, uh, Jesus' legs, like the other diners, they're extending out from the table on their feet. And so when this woman comes in, she's not crawling up under the table on all fours. She is it's kneeling at Jesus' feet that are there stretched out before him. It says that she slips in. Uh, kneels at Jesus' feet. It says she's a sinner. And when I think about the treatment of women in Jesus' day, there's a good chance she was as much sinned against as she was a sinner. But it says that her life 
had a lot of things uh, that were broken. Sometimes uh, people say, well, it might be Mary Magdalene, or it might have been some notorious woman with a steamy reputation. It doesn't say that. It doesn't give her a name. Her sins are unspecified. And I got to thinking, probably the steamy stuff is probably more in our imagination than her. If you remember last week, the, the steamy stuff about what the prodigal son might have done was in the older brother's mind. It was never ever else mentioned in the passage. So, in that hot and dusty part of the world, uh, the hospitality of that time would mean that the, the host would give, um, well, I guess would be an ancient version of oil of ole, ointment, and would put the, uh, the, the soothing oil ointment on the face and the head and even either the host or a servant then would would wash uh the you know the dusty crusty sandaled feet of of the people uh soothing comforting way of saying you're welcome here for some reason simon did not do that and this woman in a very uh expanded amazing shocking way did do you wonder how this woman even as she was crying hard came up with enough tears to wash jesus feet maybe she had super tear ducts or or maybe jesus had small feet uh, on a trip to the Holy Land one time it was life-changing our our teacher our guide our uh, uh, was Dr. James uh, Fleming some of you may have learned from him an archaeologist and he was telling us in the ancient world there was a practice of capturing one's tears in these vases you've been seeing here they're called tear vases they were uh, clay or sometimes they were glass and over time they became more ornate but in that day and time they were probably pretty simple like this there was this understanding that a person's tears were actually their sorrow the tears were really their love really their joy and so they were precious I'm not sure about this, but I think I read somewhere one time that the chemical makeup of sad tears and glad tears are different. So there really may be something about our tears, literal expressions of the sorrows and the joys of our hearts. And so uh, best we can see or best we can tell is that perhaps uh, this woman uh, brought the joys, the hurts, the sorrows of her heart and pours them on, on Jesus' feet. She gave him the tears of her heart. And yet, I want to speak here in, in this final moments of what I'm calling the tears of the future. The woman who came to Jesus apparently had many tears of regret. But I think we miss uh, the power of the passage if we think this is only about the past you see uh, the love of God the forgiveness of Jesus cannot change our past but their 
love, God's love, Jesus Christ can change us for now, for going into the future in a way that we could not. And so in a way, her tears, I think, were not just tears of regret and sense, but they were sort of bridge tears, if you want to say it, to a future, a chapter, a hope for her life uh, that she had not expected before. Tears of gladness for a future. I was thinking a few days ago about when my wife Diane and I went for the first time to have uh, first uh, vaccination for COVID, uh, Moderna, at uh, our friend, the uh, Rich's Pharmacy owners, uh, Ralph and, and Becky Sorrell, and we were sitting there and someone said well who goes first and I said her and and it it was really because I wanted to see the vaccine go in her arm I teared up I know that vaccine is not magic but when that went in her arm I thought here's some hope for our future that we've not been sure about now, I know it's complicated, but at that moment, I, I knew something about tears for the future. And so I invite us today uh, to not hold back the tears. Uh, lean into your tears because it's a way of leaning into your lives. If we hold back from uh, expressing all that we feel in our heart, we're holding back from life. It's like holding your breath when oxygen is all around you so we lean we lean into our tears that place where God's love crisscrosses with our hearts where we can find uh, new chapters in our lives when on our own we never could Um, in just this closing moment I want to shift gears just a little bit several years ago there was a movie uh, made by the, the macho man Mel Gibson. Do you remember the Passion of the Christ? It was a lot of controversy because uh, the depiction of the brutality and the violence of Jesus, bloody and beaten and crucified, was just almost beyond taking. And yet, the, the, toward the end, there's a scene uh, that have always remembered. The scene is a wide, high shot, kind of from heaven looking down, and the crosses are small, and the people are small, and they're around it. And you see this, this, this drop fall. Uh, we're going to see it now. It's not a raindrop. That's a tear. God's tear. God's love reaches out to us in Jesus. Our love, our tears reach out to God in Jesus. Jesus ends his earthly life praying, God, forgive you and me. We don't always know what we're doing. For God so loved the world. God's tears, our tears. Amen.